Hi again, it's Charlie O'Shields back with another episode of Sketching Stuff. One of the things that's been challenging for me on my art journey is to continue to challenge myself, to step outside of my lovely comfort zone and try completely new things. This can always be a bit scary as that fear of failure creeps along with a touch of self-doubt. But what I've learned is that if I just do what I want to try next, I'll often surprise myself. Sure, I may not get exactly what I had in my head to appear on paper, but what I learn in the process is worth its weight in gold. Indeed, some of my favorite and most memorable moments in sketching stuff each day have come from trying new techniques and approaches. I'm not even sure yet if I found a single approach that I love most, but my own style comes through no matter what technique I might try next. In this collection of stories, I chose some of the illustrations that appeared while I was being a bit more daring, from scribbling to stippling to simply letting my imagination choose whatever appeared on the page. These are a few of the moments in my own journey that have surprised me most. Sometimes it's okay to not have a plan when you start something. Those moments can end up being the most creative moments of all. So I hope you'll enjoy this next set of stories that magically appeared while I was drawing from imagination. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. Dragon Dreams For a prompt of reptile once, I nearly opted for a Komodo dragon or some other actual lizard, but decided to try a fantasy illustration instead. Dragons are typically portrayed as rather fierce, attacking castles and whatnot, but that's not really my style. Instead, I opted for a happier moment just before all of the mayhem ensues and the birth of a baby dragon. I've no idea if attacking castles is nature or nurture when it comes to dragons. Perhaps this little guy will grow up to be kinder and gentler. The type of civilized young dragon who instead of wreaking havoc would enjoy a spot of tea. After all, he could boil his own water with a single breath, which is much more convenient than waiting for what feels like hours for a kettle to whistle. Yes, in my story, there's a gentle dragon who grows up to seek peace over conflict and love over hate. I've no idea what his fiery family would think of such nonsense, but I'd like to believe that in the end, they would simply accept him for who he is without judgment. I've always liked stories with happy endings. This sketch was a bit of a stretch for me as I've not invented characters before. These dragons are a cross between an emerald basilisk lizard, a green tree python, and a bat. I thought about looking up a tutorial on how to draw a dragon, but then that would be somebody else's dragon, and I wanted to make my own. Like most things I've simply avoided because it seemed too difficult, once my imagination got rolling, this one was not terribly tough to sketch at all. And the best part about creatures that don't actually exist is that I get to choose whatever colors I like when it comes time for coloring. Making a storybook sketch and coloring it makes my inner child squeal with delight. Though I've much more practice ahead of me to get the look I have in my head, this turned out better than I expected. And I rather adore my little dragon family. 
Today it was Philippe's birthday, so I had to get this one completed and posted before the festivities began. That makes it sound like we're having a party, which of course we're not. What we are having is a bottle of champagne, food ordered in, and a cake as the grand finale. Each year we get a very specific treat that's only available seasonally. It's made of layers of chocolate cake and yellow cake soaked in Grand Marnier liqueur, filled with Grand Marnier buttercream and candied orange peel, and covered in a rich chocolate fondant. It's heaven on earth. Unfortunately, we had to get the smaller cake as the large one was sold out, but it will still last the weekend. I do have presents for Philippe that I hope he enjoys since only one was from his wish list. I'm getting rather brave this month on all fronts, it would seem. It's been a blast inking and creating this month, and I feel like I've learned and tried a lot of new things in the past several days alone. Though that comfort zone was a wonderful place, I'm even happier to be visiting a distant land and enjoying my dragon dreams. A little bat. Along with spiders, bats can be a bit creepy, particularly this time of year. But unlike spiders, I think bats are rather cute, so I attempted to portray the cuter side of this creature. Sure, even a little puppy-like face can become a bit off-putting when combined with dragon wings, but the whole combo just makes me adore them all the more. Contrary to the way they look, bats are not actually flying rodents, but so unusual and special that scientists have given them a class all their own. The name of this class is Chiroptera, which means hand wing, because the wings are supported by four long fingers rather than arms. Sure, the idea they actually have giant hands might not help the case against their creepiness, but to me, it just makes them even more unique and wonderful. And they're not blind in the least, but can see us nearly as well as we can see them. The distinction is simply that they possess an incredible ability to truly listen, which is likely why humans often assume they must be blind. Indeed, they're an odd breed of mammal that simply can't be fooled by visuals alone. I don't actually see very well at night due to my nearsightedness, so having a sonar ability like a bat is a wonderful thing to consider. This is merely among a long list of superhero abilities that I've imagined for myself since I was a kid. The ability to fly, of course, combined with such skills makes the bat a sort of a superhero to me. I used to think that bats were comical in their odd and erratic flight patterns until I learned they actually possess an internal GPS system. They create their own complex internal maps that guide them through the areas they previously traveled. Rather than always soaring like a bird in a smooth line, they bounce around the sky based on memories that they previously experienced. This gives me much more comfort. As I spin through my own life here on the ground, I find myself often taking odd turns that seem a bit counterintuitive and incongruous. My own journey is never quite a straight path. Sure, it could simply be my attention deficit problems, but I love to think it's something more. It's my own built-in navigation system that's built on memories and not just what's happening in the moment. My navigation system certainly contains flaws, as I'm simply human after all. I don't function on pure instinct since I have a wealth of emotions that come into play to guide my every move. But sometimes, in moments of pure clarity, I enjoy the thrill of moving forward on instinct alone, a burning desire to do something that I've been suppressing out of some kind of fear. Well, let's face it, it's most often the fear of failure. 
that little idea that implants itself in my head to tell me that what I'm dreaming should well and truly remain only a dream. But if I listen instead with my heart and put all of my attention there, I often find myself taking a very different path, one that only seems precarious, but is in fact the best path of all. I have a lifetime of internal maps in my head to guide me, even on the most challenging and new paths I might choose. So I do something that only pure instinct can provide. I don't give up. I never give up. If a dream calls my name, I simply must pursue it and find out where it leads. Dodging things as they come my way and navigating uncertainty with all of that glorious primal intelligence of a little bat. Love Never Dies. For prompt of bones once, I ended up with a pair of happy dancing skeletons. I tried stippling for this one, which is the only shading technique left that I hadn't tried. Each year, we watch a Pixar movie, Coco, which centers around the Mexican holiday known as the Day of the Dead or Dia de los Muertos. At its heart, this is a tradition completely full of heart and about continuing to honor loved ones who have died. While the Pixar film is my new favorite from them, I equally love the ideals behind the tradition. The importance of family and honoring those who came before as well as those we are with today is simply a wonderful way to live. And unlike the spookiness of Halloween, this holiday is the complete opposite. It's a celebration of love and the power it has to keep us connected even after we're no longer living. The simple fact is that it's all very true. We never stop loving our loved ones. Not a day goes by that I don't think about my father, my grandparents, and other loved ones in my life who are not physically with me anymore. The memories I have of them are precious to me and feel like a gift. Far better than candy, it's the gift of love itself, and love is something we can all believe in. As for the doodle, it was quite different than anything I'd done to date. After watching videos on Mexican dancers and looking at tons of references, I created my own little version of a Dia de los Muertos illustration. Wanting to add a bit of sparkle to evoke the joy of the tradition, I opted for stippling, which is something I've never done because it's quite time consuming and I have the patience of a flea. But I simply used it as a way to take time to think about my own loved ones and then got a bit lost making all of those little dots. Life is really just a series of dots that manage in ways big and small to connect each and every one of us. When those dots swirl into focus, an image appears, and quite often a memory is made. While not everything in life is joyful, the moments I remember most about my friends and family who have passed are always the happy ones. It's not idealistic, it's simply the fact that moments of glee and delight are the truest versions of who we are as people. When I'm in a truly happy moment, I feel like I'm the purest version of myself. Worries, doubt, and fear fall to the background and I'm just good old me. In that very moment, I can remember the silliest and simplest of memories. I remember my father talking about Jamaican rum that he brought back from his trip. Then I drift to an image of my grandmother holding a small piglet in her hands and saying that her name was Rosie. A brilliant name to describe life itself when lived with a sense of hope. 
So yeah, my inner child still likes the spookiness of Halloween that comes around this time of year, but my adult self appreciates thoughts of the past. I adore that I have such wonderful memories to connect the dots of my own life today. Even weird things I consider don't seem quite as weird when compared to my own father's approach. I'm not the first one to have thoughts like these, nor will I be the last, but I'm proud to be a member of my family. Both biological and chosen, family is indeed the most important part of life, and it's comforting to know that no matter what happens in this crazy world, love never dies. The Magic of Misfits For a prompt of sloth once, I ended up with a little drawing of one. I've always loved sloths and find them to be remarkable creatures. They have the distinction of being the slowest animals in the world. This also makes them a bit of a mammal misfit in many ways. While speed and movement is not their strong suit, they also have the slowest digestion of any mammal. With a diet of mostly leaves, this doesn't give them enough energy to move about quickly, so instead of evolving to eat a more nutritious diet, they simply evolve to do less. They aren't exactly lazy, they just figured out a way to make things work for them. The slower they move, the more energy they conserve. Many times in life, I felt a bit like I didn't fit in. Like I wasn't one of the cool kids or did things a bit too differently than others, or at least not in the way that was currently trending. I've become part of groups only to discover they had rules I couldn't always commit to following on a regular basis. But much like a sloth, I learned that it's my own unique qualities that make me interesting. And though many times my art journey has felt like I'm moving at a sloth's pace, I'm quite content just learning at my own speed and trying whatever comes to mind as I go along. I'm enjoying this month tremendously as I've learned a lot of things along the way, but I've also been reminded that this is all just a side hobby for me and I don't have any more time than I did before to draw and paint. So I've taken a tip from the sloth and just evolved accordingly. This month I've spent more time drawing and adding color quickly at the end. This typically gave me more time to create the drawing. Today, however, I had no time at all, so I just sketched the world's slowest animal as quickly as possible. I wanted to show a sloth in motion as that's not something normally depicted. A lot of preliminary sketches would have made for a better approach, but I just like to jump in and go for it. Though I had very little time, I'm not sure more time would have served me well. I have a ridiculously short attention span that works in bursts. I have to switch to different things all of the time or risk losing focus entirely. But I just compensate and do things in a way that works for me. As I've gotten older, I worry less and less about whether or not I'm doing things correctly as it applies to groups of people. Instead, I focus on doing things in a way that feels right to me personally. If I do something backwards, like painting dark to light and watercolor, as I'm often prone to do, it's just fine. Sure, this approach has meant that I can't share my works in certain online groups as I didn't follow a strict process or approach, but that was easily solved by simply creating my own group instead. Beyond the selection of certain mediums, there's no process or approach championed over any other on Doodlewash. If, like me, your process is a bit different, then that's just fine. There's so much more than our personal style that defines us as artists. 
how we do things is part of our work as well. There's no one right way to approach any medium or one true method for creating any type of art. I've tried to do things in a way described as the proper approach when I started and got really frustrated. So these days I just follow my own path and slowly move through my art journey, inspired and comforted by the magic of misfits. The Tale of Garrison's Ghost Once upon a time, there was a young boy named Garrison who lived in a very small house near the edge of the woods. His family had moved to this house recently when his dad got a new job far from the city. This wasn't the place that Garrison wanted to live, and he just felt lonely and sad. He'd go to school and sit in the back of the classroom, barely talking to anyone, and rush home as soon as the class was finished. Then he'd run off to his bedroom and just stare outside the window at the cluster of trees in the distance. His mind was filled with dark thoughts, and he wondered if anyone would even care if he just walked into that forest and never returned. On this particular night, he was again sitting at the window when his mother knocked on his door. When he didn't answer, she opened it and smiled at him. He just turned away and looked back out of the window. She walked in and sat on his bed and asked, Have you met any new friends at school? He simply shook his head without looking back at her. I know it's tough, but you're going to be just fine, she said, stood up, and slowly walked out of the room. He waited only a few moments before heading downstairs and carefully opening the front door, he walked outside. In a sudden burst, he began running toward the trees. Had he still been in his bedroom, he would have seen a young boy rushing into the dark forest and slowly disappear. He just kept running and running until something caught his eye. There was a white glow near a large tree that caused him to stop in his tracks. What he saw was a little ghost hovering next to a tree wearing orange sneakers. Though certain he should be terrified by such a sight, the only thing that popped into his mind was to exclaim, Oh wow, cool shoes! Thanks, uttered the ghost in response, causing Garrison to jump behind a tree and say, I didn't know you could talk! This caused the ghost to begin making frightfully spooky sounds that caused the hairs on Garrison's neck to stand on end. Peering out from behind the tree, he could see the ghost floating toward him and he closed his eyes, hoping it was all a dream. When he finally got the nerve to open them again, he was terrified to find the head of the ghost peering around the tree. Boo, said the ghost, causing Garrison to jump and just as he was about to gather the nerve to run away, the ghost said in a much friendlier voice, relax, I'm just joshing with you. Confused and still uncertain, Garrison asked, are you friendly? The ghost disappeared for a moment and then suddenly popped its head back around the tree, causing Garrison to jump once more and whispered, Are you? Thinking for a moment, he then stood up, brushed himself off and said, My name is Garrison. It's nice to meet you. The ghost was still peering around the tree and didn't move, but said, That's an interesting name. I have an uncle named Gary. Do you ever go by that name? Garrison shook his head no and asked, Is he, um dead? This made the ghost giggle and say, what a strange thing to ask. You really need to work on your conversation skills. My name is Benjamin, not Ben, and it's nice to meet you as well. 
The ghost disappeared back behind the tree and started moving in the other direction. Garrison followed it only to notice it was no longer floating. For the first time that night, the moon had moved from behind the clouds and he could see more clearly than ever. The ghost suddenly turned around and saw the look of shock on his face. Wait, said Benjamin, you didn't really think I was. Garrison shook his head vigorously and interrupted saying, of course not. This made Benjamin giggle again and say, sorry for scaring you earlier. I always wondered what being a ghost might be like, but it's not as fun as I thought. So maybe I'll go with something else for Halloween this year. You can come along if you like. What are you going to be? Garrison smiled for the first time in weeks and quietly said, I'm going to be just fine. A dog in a dress. Since nobody in my house dons a costume for Halloween, in answer to our doodle wash prompt today, I ended up with a quick doodle wash of a scruffy dog in a dress. Philippe and I were browsing pet costumes the other day, but both agreed that Phineas would sooner die than actually wear one. Though he does enjoy his form-fitted sweaters in winter for the warmth, I doubt he would enjoy any of the silly Halloween costumes we envisioned for him. I can certainly see the allure of dressing up a pet in a costume. Unlike children, you always get to choose the theme no matter how old they become. I've no idea if this little dog feels like a princess in this getup, or indeed if this dog is actually a girl, but it's fun to imagine that she does feel a bit glamorous and is ready to hit the neighborhood and wow her friends, replete with an overly elegant walk that clearly says, you're not going to get to sniff this butt tonight. I'm rather sure that pets have no clue what crazy thing their parents have just placed on them, but they certainly feel and appreciate the joy they've inadvertently managed to make happen in the process. Our dog Phineas isn't quite like other dogs. He doesn't bark and doesn't really wag his tail. On rare occasions, when he can't seem to control his famous composure, he will sometimes simply flick his tail back and forth before catching himself and making it stop. We call it the Tick Tick, and it's incredibly cute to see, assuming we don't blink during the show since it only lasts a couple of seconds. The fun bit is watching him immediately put on a face of indifference as if to say, yeah, you're home, that's cool, I wasn't waiting or anything, I have my own things to do. Yet we know by the Tick Tick that he's really quite thrilled despite himself. But with all of the independence, putting a costume on him has always been a bit out of the question. When he was younger, we managed to put a little tie on him once that he wore around for a bit. I'm rather sure he thought it was an award of some kind because he started to slowly strut for a moment before yanking it off with his teeth. Or perhaps it was our little bits of fawning and light applause that gave him the oppression. Either way, he was very pleased with himself for just a few seconds. Tick, tick. I'm not immune to this behavior myself. I've done many things in life that are silly, foolish, or otherwise ridiculous just to make my friends smile with giddy approval. It feels good. We can't see our own smiles after all, so it's always best to appreciate them on others. And I've always been happiest when I know that I'm making the people around me happy as well. So I've no idea if a costume means anything at all to a pet more than the positive energy it creates in the room, but that's more than enough reason to celebrate it. Anytime happiness happens is a really wonderful thing. 
As I keep sketching and sharing what I make, I hope these doodle washes and stories make you smile as well. I'm certainly not a master painter, and I feel a constant sense of awe for others with exceptional talent. My unique talent is the crazy ability to actually show up each and every day to doodle wash and tell stories. And even when my own little approach to art doesn't seem to quite fit in with whatever current trends and styles are taking place, I'm more than happy to show up to the party, thrilled to simply be there, like a dog in a dress. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories. Thank you.